0: And uh, this year won't be an exception. You know that, right? We want to begin the, the year with hope, and we've started this series called Singing a New Song in the, in the New Year, where we're taking all of those passages in the Old and New Testament, most of them in the Psalms, but one in Isaiah, one in, in, uh, two in, in, uh, in Revelation, uh, where we're going to talk about the phrase, new song. And what is that theme running through the Scripture? And why is singing a new song important? Last week, we talked about singing a new song of hope. And this week, we're going to talk about a different aspect, my help, that He is my help, and He's my deliverer. And that's the reason that we should be singing a new song. In the Psalms, David talks about a time when God rescued him in the past in the psalm that we're going to look at today, Psalm 40. Uh, Interesting, last night... um, Steph and I were sitting watching television at one point, and we we watched this show out of Britain. It's called uh, Call the Midwives. And at one point, uh, the nuns who are in this uh, midwife kind of clinic uh, are having a conversation, and they said, tonight we uh, talked about uh, and we read Psalm 40 in our uh, evening devotions. And, uh, and I looked at Steph and I said, that's what I'm preaching on tomorrow. And it's interesting because the Psalm 40 for that evening and the theme of that particular show was that there's great, there's great things to rejoice about in the midst of real need and heartache uh, that's also going on. There's great things to praise God for because of what He has done, and, and what they've experienced in the past, but there's also this sense of foreboding, and there's also this sense of, I'm going to need new rescue in, in this new situation. That, that's life. That's the way it is for, for us. Uh, you know, the reason is for, uh, that this is so important for us to hear is that it guards us from unbelief when God seems long, uh, when His help seems long in coming. How many of you have ever been in that kind of a situation? where you're crying out for the help of God, you're crying out for the help of God, you're trying to wait patiently, and you're wondering when it's going to come. There are times when life is like that. And so we can draw no deadlines for God. He hastens or He delays His help for His own reasons, and His own reasons are always good even when they're uncomfortable for us. But it's hard sometimes to get our heads around that. And this psalm is one of those psalms, I think, that, that helps us to do that. As I was reading uh, this psalm this week and studying this psalm, uh, halfway through the psalm, he starts out and he t- he's talking about things that he knows God has, been, has done for him in the past. And he talks about a time we're going to read about in just a moment. And as I was thinking about it, I thought of uh, the Rich Mullins song, Hold Me, Jesus. And in in Rich Mullen's song, he says at one point, he says, and for this I have to have my reading glasses on, sometimes my life just don't make sense at all when the mountains look so big and my faith just seems so small. So hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You've been my king of glory. That's the first part of this psalm. Won't you be my king? Prince of Peace. That's the second part of this song. I wake up in the night and, and feel, feel the dark, and it's so hot inside my soul. I swear there must be blisters on my heart. Nobody wrote a song like Rich Mullins. So honest and uh, so hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You've been my king of glory. Won't you be my... Prince of Peace, surrender don't come natural to me. By the way, he knows he's using improper grammar, but the song works better this way. He knows that. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than to take what you give that I need. And I've beat my head against so many walls, now I'm falling down, I'm falling on my knees. And then he hears, and the Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn, and your grace rings out so deep, it makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. We have times in life when that's just, that's what's going on. And, And we need to know that if you're not having those times this week, some of your friends are, and some of your neighbors are, and you need to have an ear for their heart, their pain, their sorrow in the midst of your joy. And, and then we need to know how to speak in that situation to our own hearts and also to our neighbors. And I think, I think there's some help in this psalm. So I want you to stand for God's eternally relevant word as we read together the first five verses of this psalm. And David says at the beginning of this Psalm, here he is. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock and made my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. God's word, none can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. God's word for our hearts today. You may be seated. This psalm starts out back here, and get back here. Last week we talked about sing a song of hope for the greatness of the Lord, and this week a, a theme is more sing a, a new song of deliverance and hope, and that's, that's an application of what we're about to look at right now. And so we've given that attention to the public reading of God's Word. Uh, Now we want to look at it a little bit more intensely, and I want to talk about this psalm and how it moves forward through uh, its uh, development, and uh, I'm going to go through the whole psalm, try to, Um, but I'm going to emphasize a lot of things in the first five verses here. In fact, I'm going to give you a bunch of lists of things that, as I'm trying to analyze this and help you analyze this before I get to three uh, very particular applications for us at the end. It starts out this way, uh, the th- these, these three movements that, it, that uh, are talked about. Verses 1 and 3 are, t- are basically an introduction to what's going on in the psalm. And then 4 through 11, he talks in the past tense, Lord, you were my help. In the past, he he's remembering a time. Uh, in the first three verses, that, that he talks about that being in a miry bog, um, very descriptive phrase in Hebrew. We'll come back to that. And then verses twelve through seventeen, he says, "Now I'm in a new situation. Would you be my help now? <laughs> I, I I remember what you did in the past, Lord. Would you be my help now? Because right now I'm in a really difficult strait. That's what David." is trying to tell us, David, the author of this psalm. In the first three verses, he talks about six experiences in those first three verses that he's had in, in the past. He remembers being in the pit. Uh, verse, uh, Chapter 40, verse 1. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Uh, he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew, verse 2, He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, he 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 remembered a time of being in the pits. Have you been there? You've been in the pits sometime. It's a very descriptive phrase here that's used. Uh, that when he talks about the pits, the miry bog, it's like um, it, it, imagine being thrown into the uh, a cistern. A cistern is a, a is a, uh, a created space to hold water, but the cistern has uh, mud in the bottom and uh, most of the water is out and you've been thrown into the cistern and you're, you're in the muddiest mud you've ever been. In fact, that's kind of the Hebrew phrase, mud, mud. Uh, miry bog is sticky. He's in there and he just, he, he wants out. But the prophet uh, Jeremiah was thrown into a pit like that, thrown into a cistern like that at one point. He's he's in a place where he can't move. he's, he's, He's down in the darkness of that pit. He's looking up. His feet are stuck. He wants release. He needs release. And David says, I remember a time I was in the pit of destruction and you lifted me out. He remembers a time when he was crying out to God. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry he remembers a time when he waited patiently. Better better, maybe to, to think of that as when he, when he waited intently. Um, I, don't, I don't know why translators um, insist on patiently. A lot of them do, but a better translation, and all of the translators say this in translators' notes, they all say, it probably would be better to think of this, this as he's intent. He's waiting, and he's, He's trying to be patient, but he's really intent. Lord, when's when's help going to come? He remembers being in that situation in the past. That was his experience. And now he's in in another one. He remembers being rescued where God took him out of that miry clay and he put him on a solid place, in a firm place, or a firm footing you know, sometimes you, 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 you walk a, a, into a place and you see one of those, those cones and it says danger, you know, wet floor, and you know that, you know, I, I want to be careful where I step here because you don't want this to happen, right? And so David has now experienced this situation where I know that God's put me on a rock. I'm in a firm place. I know where I am. He, he, he remembers that experience in his past. And then finally, he remembers getting a new song being given to him. God gave him... A new song here in verse 3, and he also remembers that one of the things, look at the end of verse 3, many will see and fear and put their trust in in the Lord. He remembers that uh, God was brought glory in that situation that one of the things that happened when he was in this situation before, when he was in, in, in over his head, when his feet were stuck, when he didn't know what to do, when it was dark, when he needed rescue, when, when God heard his cry and, and, he, and God rescued him out of that and placed him in a solid place and life went on again. He remembers all of that. I had that experience in the past. That's where he is. And then there's, there's five things in these first... Uh, five verses that he remembers God did during that time. Five things that God did. And the first one is in verse 1. He inclined to him. And the, the Hebrew is very graphic. It's a word, it's a word that means uh, to bow down. It, it's, it's like God, God bowed over. He, he leaned down. He leaned into the circumstance that David was in. He inclined it to him. It's like like God looks down from the over the balcony of heaven, and He sees that David needs help, and He reaches down and He helps David. It's very personal. And David's, I remember. When I cried out to God, I was in this horrible situation. I remember, I cried out to God. I was intent on getting help from God. I could have gone to men and asked for help, but I was intent on having the hand of God in my life. And I cried out to God, and I intently waited for Him. And God rescued me, and He put me in a solid place. That's what He did. He inclined to me. And He remembers that. He drew me up, verse 2. He set him in a secure place. He, he gave a new song. You know, last week we talked about uh, the text uh, 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 from the psalm, and, uh, and the, the command was to sing a new song, right? Right? The command was, in light of how great God is, in light of how great his knowledge is, in light of how great his love is, in light of how great his his faithfulness is, we ought to be skillfully working hard to sing new songs to him all the time. But this is different. This, This is not a command to sing a new song. This is God giving a song and saying, here, David, sing this. Sing about this rescue. That's what's going on. he remembers that. He remembers that experience. He remembers God gave me something new to sing about, a new experience of his grace, a new experience of his love, a new experience of his rescue, a new experience of his hand in my life. I remember that. God did that in my past. And then he says he multiplied his blessings in verse 5. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, you have you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I'll proclaim them and tell them, yet they are more than can be told. He reflects back on how God rescued him in those times, and he is in now another place. And so another way to think of those three movements through this psalm is. He's declaring past truth in verses 1 through 3. He's he's declaring present truth in verses 4 through 11. I'll read some of that in just a moment. And then he's looking by faith for new rescues in verses 12 through 17. Let's look at verses 6 and following. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. The Hebrew is that you have dug out my ear. Sometimes uh, parents say this to your children, to their children. They say, I, I, I gave you a command. Why aren't you doing it? And, uh, and the kids don't have a response. And the parents say something equivalent to this. Clean out your ears. Hear, what, what are they saying? They're saying, hear this. Dig out your ears. Do you have, do you need, you have wax in your ears? Can you not hear? David says, you, you cleaned out my ear." You, you dug it out. You gave me a heart to hear. That's what he's saying. And then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written in, in, of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I've I've not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance from within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and of your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from uh, from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. He's, he's proclaiming, Lord, I've been faithful. I've been, I've been telling people about how great you are. I've been telling about the rescue that you gave. I've been singing your song. And I know, Lord, that your mercy is going to continue to follow me. It, you gave me your mercy in the past. You're giving your mercy to me now. I know that you're going to preserve me in the future. And you're going to give me mercy in this situation. And now he's going to talk about that situation. He's declaring present truth in those four verses, and then in the the last part of the psalm, he's looking by faith for a new rescue from God, a new opportunity to praise Him. I'm getting through this message very easily, very quickly. You might get out early. I want to give three simple applications uh, in just a moment, but I'm going to read verses 12 through 17 because now this is his new situation. How's he looking by faith? He describes his new situation this way. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. He's feeling overwhelmed again. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. He knows that at least some of his issues that he's experiencing, some of the pain that he's experiencing, is a result of his own sin. Sometimes, does, that, does, the, does the fact that, that you created some of your own problems diminish your pain when you're having the problems? No. It's helpful to own up to that. But it doesn't diminish the pain that you're experiencing. And that's what he's going through. Be pleased, O Lord, to to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed together who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I told you. I, I knew it. But may all who seek you, and David declaring himself that he's one of those, I'm seeking you, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help, he addresses God directly, and my deliverer, do not delay, oh my God. Now, he knows that um, God may not um, answer quickly, but that doesn't, uh, that doesn't mean that we can't a- ask and that he can't ask. He will wait patiently, he will wait intently on God's deliverance. He's not going to turn to other places, but he's asking, Lord, Lord, could it be sooner rather than later? And that's where we are all the time when we're in sorrow, when we're in pain, when we're in trouble, when we're disappointed, when we're going through a time that is difficult or trying to figure things out, where we don't feel like we have solid ground under us, when we don't feel like, when we feel like we're overwhelmed. That's exactly what we want. We want the pain, the sorrow, the heartache, the difficulty. We want it to end quickly. And yet sometimes that is not a part of God's process. Sometimes he delays, but David cries out and says, Lord, I'm just telling you what I want. (laughs) And on the basis of what you've done in the past and who you've declared yourself to be, I know I can trust you for rescue whenever it comes. So what should we do? when we're in similar circumstances based on the inspired, always relevant, completely, eternally relevant Word of God? Because these aren't my words. This is, these, these are God's words to us, to our, to, to our situation, to the things that we're going through or will go through and the things that our neighbors are going through and, uh, and, uh, or will be going through. This is God's Word to them, to us. So what should we do? When we're going through these difficult times, Well, here's the first application. We should um, remind your soul of God's past rescues. Because one of the things that happens when we're going through real difficulties is we, we develop memory loss, where our, our brains, sometimes, our hearts, our souls become like, like, you know, Swiss cheese, lots of holes in our memory of how God rescued us in the past. And what David does by writing a psalm, by writing a new song, what he does is he takes in in, with pen in hand and he reminds his soul of the things that God has done in the past. God, I remember that time I was in a miry bog, I was in the pit of destruction, I needed solid ground, I needed solid footing, I cried out to you, I waited patiently for you, I was intently waiting for you, and I remember that you rescued me, you set my feet, nobody else did, you set my feet on solid ground. Lord, I'm in another one of those situations and I'm, I'm reminding my soul that you're still that God. And too often what happens when we're struggling or we're in pain or we're in sorrow or we're uh, having a difficult time is we run to other people's ears. And, and we dump our troubles into their lives and they are helpless to help. And we're, we're using other people as a substitute for God. When what the Master wants is for us to turn to Him, run to Him, like the prodigal child, run to the Father, run to Him, and pour out those things to Him. And we need to remember to remind ourselves Remind your soul of God's past rescues. Second, based on what David did, verses 4 through 11, we need need to keep proclaiming the goodness of God in the midst of our harrowing sorrow, painful difficulties. You know, sometimes there are people that, that, Christians who in the midst of their troubles, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their sorrow, they, they exit out of everything in the Christian life. And they don't talk to anybody, they don't tell anybody, it's as if, you know, God's on vacation and they're not going to talk to anybody about Him because He's not worth pursuing. Yes, He is. Always. Always. So what did did David say? He said, look, here's here's what I've been doing. I've been doing this. I I delight to do your will, verse 8. I have told the glad news of deliverance, verse 9. In the great congregation, I've not restrained my lips. As you know, O Lord, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I haven't just, you know, I, I haven't experienced your rescue and then clammed up about it. Instead, he says, I, I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. I've told other people about what you did for me in the past. And when they see me in, our trouble, in my troubles now, they, they, they see me telling them, even while, in the midst of my new troubles and pains, they see me and they hear me talking about you. important Yeah, you know, I, I can't remember it exactly but John Piper said at one point uh, criticizing the prosperity gospel and he's right, right on target he said nobody comes to Jesus because you're driving a great car people come to Jesus because things are hell in your life and you still have joy in Christ. And they start scratching their heads saying, what makes them tick? Well, How is it that God is their chief joy in life when they're going through what they're going through right now? See, when, when, when God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him, even in the midst of pain and sorrow and heartache. So one of the things that we should remind ourselves as we're reminding our souls of past rescues is that we need to remind ourselves that God is still worthy of being praised. Keep proclaiming the the goodness of God. And then third, keep trusting that God will be what He has always been that god will be faithful that god has his chesed his covenant love his steadfast love that love that one translation of the new american standard translates the word chesed covenant love or or loving ki- uh, 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 or, or steadfast love translates it with the words uh, the compound word loving kindness that's right, there is a kindness. There's the texture of God's love towards us is kind. We need to keep trusting that God will be what He has always been in the midst of our heartache and our pain and our sorrow. And, and, and for the people who are going through that, we need to be the echo of that to them. Because they need to hear that. And they might need us to help, them, help remind them of a time when, when God rescued them in the past. He makes himself, God does, the feast of our joy. And when we are satisfied in God, we are, uh, he will be magnified by others. And that's what we want. And David says that when, when these things happen, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to, uh, to, to God, to our God. Many will see, what are they going to see? They're going to see the new song of Praise. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want more people to put their trust in the Lord? So David goes on from there. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Keep trusting him because he delights to rescue those who delight in His hand. So that's who we are, people. Now, a friend of mine likes to evaluate his own messages uh, this way, and uh, he, has, he has three things that he asks of a sermon. He says, first, um, was it... Was it um, was it biblical? That is, did its, did its source arise from the text of the Word of God? Um, and uh, was it sourced in what God says rather than what man says? Second evaluation is, did the message that I gave that morning, uh, this morning, uh, was, it, uh, was it a sermon? That is, did it say something was true and call people to believe and change something in their lives? It wasn't a sermon. That's what people mean when they don't sermonize me, you know. People don't, people don't like to be told what to do or what to believe. Was it a sermon? And the third thing he, he says of his, as he evaluates his message, and so I think on those two scores, I think, I think we're okay. Think it was biblical? It was a sermon. Last part, he says, "Was it Christian? Was it Christian?" And I think I'm still on shaky ground there with this message because I've alluded to the gospel, I've alluded to uh, the life of Christ. There are certain assumptions that you have placed in your own ears as you've heard this message because of the greatness of what God has done for us in Christ, but I haven't really made it Christian. In fact, most of what I said right now, I could have said in a synagogue up to this point. So let me turn it into something that is Christian. Because this text is a text that tells us uh, so much more in light of the New Testament. Because our God, the kindness of our God is this, that He allowed His only Son to be crushed for us. He was crushed for us. He paid the penalty for your sin and your sin and your sins and your sins and all of your sins and your sins. Anyone who would ever believe in him, he paid for all of their their sins. You couldn't pay for them because if you had to pay for them, you'd be paying for them for eternity. So what did he do? God became a man. That's Christmas. God became a man. He took on human flesh. He bled. He, he cut his fingers in the workshop. Those kinds of things happened. Other people bumped into him. You say, well, Jesus was perfect. Maybe he never cut himself. You know, there's other people around. <laughs> I mean, he, 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 he bled. He, he died. He lived a sinless life. You didn't live a sinless life. You couldn't live a sinless life. But he did. And then because he has two natures, he is both human, took on human flesh, but divine, he has two natures in the one man, Christ Jesus. When he dies without sin and offers his life as an atoning sacrifice for your sin... God, the Father, receives that offering and approves of it, and the proof is He rises from the dead. And anyone who believes in Him and what He did can have this relationship with Him. Though there are hard times in life and difficulties in life, we can cry out to Him as our Savior and Redeemer and Rescuer, not just from the turmoils of this life, but not just the pains and the sorrows of this life, but all the pains and the sorrows of the next life. He rescues us. We have a great God. And we need to remind our Swiss cheese souls often because our souls leak through those holes. Our souls are leaking truth all the time. That's why we come back here week after week to, to be reminded of the greatness of our God and the wonder of His Word so that we would follow Him with a what looks to the world like a reckless abandon. But it's not reckless at all. Because He can pick us out of the miry pit and put us on solid ground. Amen? So in the midst of your sorrow, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of the things that are out of your control, remind your soul of God's past rescues and keep praising Him for His goodness and keep trusting God to be the God that He has always been because the cross declares that He changes not. Amen? Amen. Let's trust Him. And if there's anybody here who has not placed their faith in Him, I urge you, trust in Him today because you have no hope without Him. And neither do I. And neither does anybody else. So Father, as the worship team comes, we thank You for Your Word. Powerful that it is. Thank You for inspiring David with these words to put down his experience, but through them to tell us who You are Lord, we pray that you would continually be drawing us to yourself, that we would be a people who remember the right things. Thank you for your word. We give you again our lives, our hearts, our souls, our time. We give you everything, Lord. You alone have the words of eternal life, and we praise you for those words. So, Lord, as we move to worship, Lord, we ask that you would enter our hearts in our praise. In Christ's name, amen. The worship team is going to start with a song that they want. They're going to ask you to reflect on the greatness of God and uh, with a song that you may have heard on the radio and not a Christian radio. Uh, U2's Bono wrote a song called Psalm 40 where he takes this song and he sings about singing a new song. And normally you think of singing a new song is all about, you know, joy and, you know, just you know, really exalting, you know, celebratory language. But Bono captures the psalm well because it's about singing how long to sing this song. He sung it in the past of God's rescue, and he's, he's now in a new situation waiting. How long, Lord, before I can sing that song again? And then how long if, till we can sing it perfectly when we see you face to face? And so this first song, they're just going to do just a little different this week, just for you to quietly reflect as they sing. And then Darren will uh, have you rise with the second song in a song of worship and praise.
1: Patiently for the Lord He inclined heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit Out of the night we I will sing Sing a new song I will sing on the rock, and my footsteps Then many will see, many will see and hear. I will see sing, sing a new song, I will see sing, sing a new song. So much stronger the King of glory the King above all King who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves his presence in all in wonder the King of glory the King above all King this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love that you would take my place. Son and daughter, the King of Glory, the King of Glory, who rules the nation with truth and justice, shines like the sun in all of his brilliance, the King of Glory, the King of above all things. Here yeah, comes amazing reign. This is amazing,
0: for us. Amen? Amen? He has. He has. He is doing much. Hey, uh, Darren and I, as I mentioned last week, we decided that we didn't like the... the uh